Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is Data for Good. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company for senior data insights and analytics professionals, connecting you with Berlin's most influential companies. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data analytics and engineering, giving you access to the thoughts and opinions of Berlin's most successful data people. Today, we are joined by Alexi, principal data scientist at OLX Group and founder of Data Talks Club. Looking forward to this podcast as Alexi is going to share with us his journey in data science, the growing popularity of data engineering, and the power of community. Alexi, welcome. How are you? It's a pleasure. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm good. Fantastic. So, yes, you have your full-time job uh, as well as your work in the community. How, how do you find the time? I just clone myself and uh, one Alexi works and the other one runs the community. Nice. Duplicate, duplicate and replicate. Now, looking into your background, you weren't always uh, a data scientist. So you started off uh, in software engineering. What was it that opened your eyes to the, the world of data science? Okay. But <laughs> coming back to cloning, that answer completely satisfied you, right? <laughs> okay. So, 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 yeah. So I started my career um, like as a Java developer indeed. So my first, uh, I think two, three years, even maybe more, I spent developing software in Java. And I was working at a bank as a Java developer. Um, I don't know, comp like calculating money, uh, writing some pipelines, data pipelines, moving data from one uh, mainframe in a database, like I think it was IBM database from the 90s. Then like it was uh, some Java code around a lot of legacy. And then at some point it became a bit um, boring maybe, like I wanted to have something new. And then I discovered this thing, a colleague of mine actually recommended it to me that was called Coursera. So it was free courses. Okay. And one of the courses there was about machine learning. And I thought, okay, like, let's see, what is that? It seems popular, people are talking about this, so let me check it out. So I enrolled in the course. I actually, and then from the very first lesson, it just, uh, you know, I was like, wow, it's so cool. I really want to do this. And then this is the feeling I started the course with, this is the feeling I finished the course with, and I thought, okay, like, I really want to do this. How can this become my career? And then after that, I started thinking, okay, like, what do I need to do? So I started interviewing. Um, I continued taking courses, started interviewing. Back then, it wasn't uh, the best time for people with software engineering background to become data scientists because the companies wanted to have somebody with PhDs and, I don't know, mm -hmm. lots of papers. And I thought, okay, like, I don't have a PhD. I don't even have master's, so let me start with master's. I enrolled into a master's program which actually brought me to Berlin. So I graduated from, I studied in the Technical University of Berlin. And yeah, I really, uh, like I really liked the city. And mm -hmm. after graduating, we, my wife and I, we decided to stay here and then look for a job here. And this is how I found my first job. And interestingly in Berlin in 2015, when I was looking for a job, people didn't really care whether I have a PhD or not. So it was a bit uh, 
like before that when the companies didn't know what they need so six seven years ago it was already better um and yeah it started there so and since then um like i um, worked full-time as a data scientist okay so it started out with uh, coincidence and then your curiosity brought it forward and not the lowering of standards but the lowering of expectations for a data yeah, scientist certainly exactly. opened the door uh, for you or maybe i wouldn't say lowering but rethinking maybe mm -hmm. like thinking okay what are the skills that are important for actually de delivering value which wasn't uh, so theoretical foundation is important but maybe not the game changer but being able to take the model you create and then productionize it so that was important and companies realized that because uh, a phd doesn't necessarily give you the skill but software engineers have it so it is it wasn't it's still a good it's still a good time for software engineers to to transition to data to data science that was uh, my next question so would the masters be as important now i mean how much did you gain from that masters well uh, it was fun times and i actually was receiving scholarship so not only uh, like it was a very relaxed time so like i didn't need to worry about anything so i just needed to show up at university do some things and the good thing it was like only three days a week so basically i had mondays and fridays to myself and i was receiving scholarship like it was okay money for a student so it was like the best time of my life but at the same time i mean of course one like i really enjoyed that time well the best time is still ahead of course uh yeah so it was good time right so i was enjoying my life i wasn't i didn't need to worry about anything so i was getting money uh it was pretty relaxed yeah so it was fun so like i really enjoyed learning but now when i look back at this and in retrospect i think like it was fun two years but thinking career-wise, maybe I would be better off if I spent this two, time, two, two years on my career working in the industry rather mm -hmm. than doing um, learning or uh, studying and uh, a bit of research, uh, what I was doing at university. Because most of the skills I picked up at university weren't actually needed at work. So I think uh, yeah. the only thing that turned out to be quite important at the end was my master thesis. And the reason it was important because it was a project that I delivered independently with some help from my supervisor, but yeah. it was an end-to-end -end project that I had to do myself. And this right. was what the employer who ended up hiring me, the company, uh, Searchmetrics, this is what they cared about. So it's somehow coincided with what they were doing. So they mm -hmm. were very interested in my thesis or in the code that might, like not the, the paper, but like yeah. the, the actual thing, the code, the project. So they were very interested in this. So they were asking me questions about that. And then after one interview, they made me an offer. It was, uh, it doesn't happen these days actually. So you don't get an offer after one interview, but for them, they really liked what I did. So if you think about this, then yes, master thesis was quite important for me to get the job. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's uh, there are other ways to spend two years of your life 
which could give you better return on time investment career-wise. Like for example, working for two years is better than not working for two years, right? Yeah, definitely. Would you, I mean, your career, we're going to be working for many, many years. Would you, it sounds like you'd recommend maybe even at the start using those two years for practical experience as opposed to theoretical experience on a master's. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know, get a paid geek. Uh, Geek is uh, like, I don't know, it's an American word for a site job, right? Not everyone knows. I I was talking to a friend recently and I I suggested like, how about getting a geek? And he was like, what? What are you talking about? What does it even mean? Yeah, a gig gig over um, in the UK is a, a music concert. Okay. <laughs> right. I, don't know if, I don't know if there's a there's a connection uh, there or not. So it sounds like you developed a lot of autonomy in your research, though. Or was that something that pre-existed as a developer that you you enjoyed working self-driven projects? I mean, at university, you're kind of put in this environment where you have your, at least for the thesis. You have your supervisor who helps, but you kind of figure need to figure out it on your own, mm. more or less. They guide you, but it's not like it's not uh, there. They don't hold your hand throughout the entire process. You still need to swim by um, to learn swimming by you know actually swimming, as opposed to a typical course when it's actually hand guide like when teachers guide you through the entire thing like they tell you what to do so thesis is a project and i think like the best uh, way to get in data science and machine learning now for software engineers would be to focus on these projects projects that you need to do end to end um with some guidance or without you know with some input from some uh, some i don't know stakeholders air quotes but uh, yeah it's better to focus on doing them mm-hmm. uh, instead of uh, picking course after course after course without you know learning and at the same time not doing much so better to focus on building things and learning by doing and in my experience people learn differently so for maybe so for some people it's better if they just do i don't know three four courses and then start building but i think for me and for many engineers who i met um, they usually learn by doing things, by focusing on a goal, on the problem you need to solve, and then finding your way through solving this problem. I don't know, Googling things, asking people for for help with this specific thing you need to solve right now to advance to the next step. And if you uh, learn by doing projects, then it's much, much more effective in terms of time that you spend on you know building the thing. And then you while building the thing, you have the skill at the end too, right? And then you mm. have a solved problem too. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a Java developer, a seasoned Java developer, and I'm looking across at my principal data scientist uh, within the company, and I'm thinking, how do I get involved in that? What questions should I be asking um, the principal to help me on my way? on your way to becoming a data scientist yourself explore on, on, on my way to exploring it to see exploring if it is for it. me okay maybe do a small project like uh, the simplest example could be um predicting the price of a car so for that what you need to do 
is you need to get a data set from somewhere that has cars, the prices, and cars uh, and some descriptions of each car, like model, make, year, mileage, all these things, like all the characteristics of a car that influence the price at the end. Right, so you have this, so this is called features, all the description, all the characteristics of a car, then you have the price that you want to predict, and you build the model. And when you do this, it turns you will see that data is not clean, it needs to be prepared, it needs to be processed, it needs to be put in the right format in order to put it inside a model. And then when you put it inside the model, then also not always works from the first attempt, right? And if you enjoy doing this, like going through all the steps, cleaning data, putting it inside the model, and then training the model, and then tuning the parameters, then you will probably enjoy working as a data scientist too. If you don't like data cleaning, if you don't uh, like uh, you know this process of training, maybe it's not for you. But there is another thing. So after the model is done, after the model is finished, there is another step, which is you take this model and you need to, and you make it available, accessible for others to use. Mm -hmm. Usually it means that you expose your model as a web service. So let's say another department, a different department in your company can access it and use it for uh, whatever they do. Uh, or maybe you have a job that runs every day that takes all the cars in your, I don't know, database and then predicts the price for them. Or I don't know, could be many, many different examples. So maybe if you don't like the data cleaning process, maybe you will enjoy this process the process of deploying the model. And this is what machine learning engineers do. So data scientists spend time preparing data, training models and so on, like modeling. And ML engineers, they focus more on working with data scientists to then productionize machine learning models. So maybe this is something you will like more. And I think Java developers and developers in general, they tend to, um, like more the this engineering ML engineering side rather than uh, data preparation, data analysis, and uh, things like this. So maybe this is for you. Another direction could be maybe you are into large-scale data preparation and transformation. Like you have some data that is in some raw format stored somewhere on your S3, and you want to prepare it in such a way that data scientists can use. Mm -hmm. right? And if you enjoy working with things like uh, like for that you will need to use tools like i don't know spark or uh, lambda or kafka you know, like there, there are many many things technologies mm -hmm. that you could use there and if you enjoy working with these things then maybe you can try doing data engineering and if none of this sounds interesting then maybe you can just keep on doing your java stuff too nice so it sounds like you should do kind of a trial run Get yeah, a project exactly. up and running and see which aspects you enjoy. Um, yeah, another thing is maybe you can talk to, like before even trying to build these things, you can talk to a data engineer, data scientist, ML engineer, and ask them what they don't enjoy, what they dislike in their jobs. And then try to put yourself in this situation when you need to do this every day for the, I don't know, <laughs> the rest of your career or however long you want to be in that role uh, and then ask yourself will you enjoy doing this like will you enjoy cleaning data right will you enjoy tuning models uh, will you enjoy uh, creating web services or then yeah 
ask yourself and then if you say okay it sounds fun or okay i can tolerate it then yeah maybe it's fine so if we were to summarize kind of personality test of, <laughs> of which direction to go in if you like creating then maybe data engineering to start looking into if you like modeling not the photography um data science is the the route to go and if you enjoy the prediction side machine learning engineering is perhaps i mean building you have building in both the engineering roles but it's more like do you like working with the models that data scientists prepared do you like cleaning the code after them and then making sure it's working or you'd rather focus on you know building data pipelines and you you, you don't need to uh here you don't have this sort of dependency on data scientists to prepare the model here you're more not independent but like uh, it's more uh, isolated maybe because data scientists mm. then consume the output of your of your jobs and the the job titles have always been a bit of a gray area um data science at one company is a data engineer at another roles like analytics engineer uh, are popping up uh, more and more frequently but we we are seeing quite a rise in popularity of data engineering what do you think has happened recently to to cause this so when i started my career as a data scientist um it was expected that the data scientist comes and figures out like where the data is and then does some magic and then at the end there is a model that brings the money right and then everyone is happy company is happy because it's making millions and uh, you know everyone is splitting bonuses between them but the reality is that uh, a data scientist comes and they can't f find data because the data there is no data or the data is hidden somewhere or the data is not in the right form some data is missing the data quality is terrible and all these things that data scientists aren't supposed to solve but they have to solve it in order to create a model and that led to understanding that okay maybe before we hire a data scientist maybe we can hire somebody else who will lay the foundation so then when the data scientists come they don't spend a lot of time figuring out where to take the data is the data even there how to prepare it they just okay the data is here in this table let me uh, take it do some basic uh, exploration preparation and then just put it in our model and then train it so this is uh, what happened so companies uh, in a way became more mature they, they understood what the process involves and uh, they saw that this process of creating a data ml product it has certain stages and then people with different qualifications with different skills need to be involved at each stage mm -hmm. and that i think among other things so i i don't want to say that it's only because of data science data engineering be became um you know uh, i'm looking for a word um like maybe more or <laughs> common let's say like more in demand right yeah. i don't want to say it's only because of data scientists but that was one of the contributing factor i think i think so realization that uh, there should be data to do data science without data it's just science and uh, how can you convert science into money it's more difficult right 
Yeah, definitely. Then the same with ML engineer, right? So when you have a model, like uh, it's not enough just to train your model in your Jupyter notebook and leave it there. It needs to be used to be useful. And if it's not used, then it's not useful. It's useless, even if it's like the best model in the world. If other teams do not consume this model, they don't make predictions, they don't use this model for making decisions, then your model is good as, like it's useless basically. Mm. So then it led to this role as of ML engineer. So we have three, right? So we have data engineer, data scientist, and ML engineer. Okay, so if I was uh, a startup and I've got the, the luxury of building from scratch, it's an ideal situation. As a CEO, what kind of journey should you be going on to get the most value from your data using those three uh, job titles or responsibilities? Yeah, well, first of all, I guess you just need usual developers to develop the backend of your thing and frontend, right? Then you get a data engineer who starts collecting, uh, I don't know, making sure that the data is tracked properly, the data is stored properly, uh, there is a data database with the data, the data is accessible, documented, and so on. And then after that, they can hire a data scientist. Usually it's enough to get your first model maybe deployed and then used, because data engineers usually are engineers. They can do some of the, what we referred to, uh, to ML engineer, data engineers usually can do that too. And then at some point when you have multiple models, then probably hiring an ML engineer will make sense too. Also, instead of a data scientist, you can hire an ML engineer immediately after a data engineer, because ML engineers usually know a bit of machine learning, know enough to build the first useful model, deploy it, productionize it, show that it's useful. And only after that, you can hire a data scientist who will come and will improve this model. So I think these two approaches are good. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, like I think they will lead to good results. Okay. So if um, money was a little bit tight and we could only have two out of the three for a long term, which two? Yeah, engineers. Present the engineers. Yeah. Data scientists are uh, great, um, but um, a startup maybe doesn't need a data scientist yet because uh, there are most of the problems that startups deal with are engineering problems, not data science problems. That's why until you solve these problems, until you make sure that there is foundation for a data scientist to come and be useful, um, then maybe you should wait before hiring a data scientist. Okay. And ML engineers, is that quite a recent? How many years of kind of that responsibility being around for? Uh, maybe like, I don't know, four, five years, four maybe. I mean, before that, it was just called data science. And then I think at some point, it, uh, the split was between data engineering and data science. Right? So people realized that data engineering is a separate thing. Mm -hmm. And then data scientists were supposed to deploy models. But then again, they are scientists, they are not engineers, so they can do this, but maybe the results aren't always great because it's not the core responsibility that they have. And then they realized, okay, we need actually engineers. So some companies called them data science engineers, but I think the term ML engineer 
stuck more. Okay. And how much more divided do you think the area will become? So, for example, data science has gone into data scientists and machine learning. Are there any other disciplines you, you will you think we will see in the near future? I mean, you mentioned this uh, analytics engineering, right? So that's anything. So as far as data engineers, data scientists, ML engineers go, I think it's the industry is kind of converging, more or less. But then uh, there is there are also analysts, data analysts that we didn't mm -hmm. talk about. So data analysts, they are not usually scientists. They don't build models, but they analyze the data to explain the past like what happened in the past, why did it happen, and what to do to prevent this from happening in the future, or how to do more of this, right? So these yeah. are the answers that analysts um, answer on. And again, you have the same problem. If you don't have the, the foundation, the data foundation, an analyst joins the company and there is no data, like where do they get it from, right? So that's why you need a data engineer first, then you can have a data analyst. And then the role of analytics engineer is something between these two. So an analytics engineer uh, knows analytics and knows a, a bit of engineering to not completely rely on data engineers for preparing data. So they can do, they can go and prepare some data themselves and they mm -hmm. know enough analytics to actually answer basic questions. So they're not necessarily, so I don't say, I wouldn't say they're perfect data engineers, they are not perfect data analysts either, but they are perfect mix, let's say. Okay. So you're a data scientist. You, you're speaking with a company, for example, and you're trying to understand how mature their setup, their data setup is. What one or two questions should you be asking? Mm. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, what kind of problem do you have in mind for me? Like if I join your company, what will I work on? And then they would say, okay, you will work on this use case. But then I would ask, do you have data for that? Or they can say, oh yeah, we have some table or oh, maybe not really. Like, and then, uh, or uh, like you, you can start, you know, digging deeper in understanding the use case. You can understand how well-defined this use case is uh, on what it was based on. Uh, like, was it something that, I don't know, some consultants came and said that, it's, said that you need to do this? Or was it something more, uh, you know, coming from within the company and where the, the need is coming from, right? Uh, and then based on that, you can probably figure out like how much data is already there, how much analytics was already done to understand that this problem is actually worth solving and all that. So yeah, just start to dig deeper in understanding what your future responsibilities will be and based on what this, uh, where it is coming from. So to start off with, do you have data for that? And then you dig, yeah, yeah, exactly. you dig from there. Fantastic. So you're a, a very active member uh, of the community. You're the founder of uh, data talks club. What kind of profession? Do most of your attendees, your followers, sub subscribers, what, what kind of background do they have? Community members. Community members. Yeah. So, well, um, it's Data Talks Club, which is the place to talk about data, which includes 
pretty much every role we talked about today, starting from data analysts to ML engineers and everything in between. Um, so that was at least the original idea to have a place where all folks who are interested in data can talk to each other, exchange uh, experience, uh, learn from each other, uh, ask questions, qu ask questions, answer questions, uh, collaborate, and so on. Um, it somehow happened that uh, you know analysts are not very um, common. Let's say they uh, we don't have a lot of analysts in the community. But we have data scientists, we have data engineers, and we have ML engineers. Maybe it's because of my personal background. So I'm more of an engineer plus with experience um, in data science. That's mm -hmm. why maybe it attracts people who are somewhat similar to, who have similar similar interests. I know nothing about data. Well, I know a few things, but I'm not deep into analytics. Yeah. And there are, to be honest, there are really great communities who focus on analytics, like for example, locally optimistic. So they are really great uh, in that. And it's just hard to, let's say, not compete, but, uh, mm, you know, convince people to join two communities yeah. to talk about the same thing. They rather gravitate to one thing where all the analysts are already there. So they just talk there. So that's why we, still like it's all about data but more with focus on data science engineering uh ml engineering data engineering got you you're giving a lot back to the community um what have you found for your own personal development by running such a program well, i don't know maybe time management <laughs> how to clone myself uh, of course, I haven't figured out how to clone myself, but I learned to um, be maybe I'm a very disorganized person, but still, like somehow I try to uh, have some order there, so I don't need to spend a lot of time on running the community. So have some processes, um, have some documents, some as automate as many things as possible, um, and. Uh, yeah, so I don't need to spend too much time running the community. And this uh, this journey, learning all these things, how can I automate this process? How can I describe this process in such a way that I can delegate it and all these things? That was my biggest uh, personal uh, uh, learning, let's say. Hmm. And a, a little bit of uh, insight. What What kind of personal tools do you use to help with this? Yeah, one thing. So I use Zapier. This is um, most of these tools are paid, so mm. uh, they haven't paid me to advertise <laughs> them. <laughs> so Zapier is a tool that can connect pretty much anything with uh, anything. So it's a data, or it's just an integration tool. So let's say we use Eventbrite for hosting events, and then uh, what I was doing is I first uh, I was first creating an event in Eventbrite, and then um, I was posting this to Slack, to LinkedIn, and to Twitter, saying, "Hey, we created this event. Go here and register." And then um, I found out I found about Zapier. So with Zapier, I can uh, automate this process. So the moment I hit publish in Eventbrite, it's automatically propagated to all these. Uh, to Slack, to Twitter, to LinkedIn. Uh, 
and yeah there are there are many many other things that i use Zapier for that are like this to automate things that just take a lot of time nice so the the end goal is to clone yourself but for now we've got yeah. a few uh, automation integration yeah. tools to, to help out with that yeah i also use trello for project management uh for repetitive tasks too like, mm. okay what are the things i need to to do to announce an event and then i just have a checklist which i follow for each uh, you know event then another tool i use is Airtable. Airtable, that's yeah. for uh, you know storing all the data in tabular format and uh, that, there are a bunch of other tools that i like for example loom i really love loom loom is just a tool for recording video it's very convenient. You just start recording the tool, uh, just mm -hmm. re start recording your screen, and then you click stop, and then you have a link that, that you can share. I use it, uh, we use it a lot for courses in Datadocs Lab. Yeah, nice. Um, Notion is what is what a big one for, yeah. for me. But it's uh, like if you want to use it with others, then it becomes uh, like you need to pay for this, right? Um, I think you get up to, you can have your own one and then you can uh -huh, have right. up to five yeah, people visit. I yeah, I use it. But uh, for processes, uh, the processes I described, we just use Google Docs. Yeah. Fair. Yes, Notion um, is better, but Google Docs is more free, if I can say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. It definitely is. So why not um, use the free resources where, where we can? Um, Perfect. Well, time is absolutely flowing. It's been a great conversation. So I'm going to wrap it up with one final question. So being a key member of the data community and you were to have a little tip for, for what could be hot next, what, what trend or topic could be the next big thing? Um, yeah, it's hard to, to answer that. So what I saw what I see now, so if you're a, an engineer, if you're a Java, Java engineer, Java developer, or pretty much any other engineer, the market, the data market, the job market for you is still very good because you already have most of the skills that you need to get into the job and deliver value. So if you want to get into data, you, you should do it now. Because I don't know what will happen in five years. Because what I see now is that there is a lot of, uh, um, like there is a trend towards democratization of data, which means that in the future, it will be much, much easier, I think, to do machine learning. This is a good trend, but if you're a software engineer who want to get there, then maybe you don't need to wait before, uh, you know, it becomes very easy to, do machine learning so maybe get now but uh, this is also very exciting right so right now for example if a product manager wants to uh, test an idea quickly right now they need a data scientist or ml engineer to help them but i've seen tools that uh, come up now already mm -hmm. that simplify this process so they can just take a data set uh, and then drag and drop this data set to some auto ml thing and then it will create a good enough model of course uh, here we assume that the data is just magically there and all cleaned which is not the case but there are tools that simplify that aim at simplifying this process of cleaning and preparing data also without uh, a lot of engineering involvement 
So yeah, the, the trend for democratization is there. So if you're a product manager and want to use machine learning, good news for you. If you're a software engineer who want to get into ML machine learning, pr probably do it now, not in five years. Be ahead of the, be ahead of the curve. Good advice. Good advice. Well, you've taught us a lot today. We've, we spoke, we could have spoken for a lot longer, but I think these uh, topics lead quite nicely to a future podcast and we would love to have you on uh, in the future, but that's all we have time for today. So thank you very much for your time and your rich insights, Alexi. It's been uh, educational for us all. Thanks for having me. And uh, to the listeners, as always, drop your questions and feedback in the comments section. We'll pick out some to answer on, on future pods. Don't forget to like and share, and we can reach out to as many people as possible. Um, but for me and Alexi, ciao for now. Bye.